You are listening to CivCast on the Kyle Dempster Studios Network. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash CivCast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to CivCast. My name is Kyle, and uh, I'm joined here today by my co-host, who you can actually see down below, Dan. Hello, Dan. I'm waving at you. This feels so much more real. Hi, Kyle. (laughs) Wow, that was very, very nice. I like that. Although your hand was a little out of frame, so I I don't know what you were doing. (laughs) And uh, Valter. Hello, Valter. Hey, guys, I'm waving every time, even though you're not watching, just for the form. Oh, that's very nice of you. I, f- I feel very, like, welcome when you do that. It's, it's, a, go- it's a good feeling, deep down. Exactly. So Everybody uh, knew I was doing it. Yeah, we got episode 35 today, which is kind of a monumentally sort of thing. That It's funny that we're starting our live stream on, like, a, a five or something like that. I think that's pretty awesome. We finally hit our goal to live stream, So, and I got the setup here that's actually handling it and not making a terrible whooshing noise into the computer uh, or from the computer. And today we've got uh, some things to recap in terms of the CivCast challenge. So, uh, Dan, do you want to take it away and tell us who the winner was this week or month? I keep saying week. Sure. I just realized how self-conscious I feel now that I realize every movement I do is being recorded. I can't do the <laughs> stupid crap I usually do. Yeah, we're judging. So, <clears throat> let me sit up straight in case my mother's watching. Uh, (laughs) so, uh, let's talk about the three gentlemen who are, I say gentlemen, let's talk about the three folks who submitted their, uh, victory conditions to the Reddit for the Sipcast challenge this month. We'll start with, uh, VT Matt and Matt, uh, posted early on in the month, actually to the Sipcast. I think he he posted like really early on and he shared like a, a bit of an update. Is that right? I think I remember seeing, uh, yeah, he posted 20 days ago and then, uh, uh, well, it was a couple days after that, I know he came back and, and shared his actual victory win. That's right. Yeah, I'm taking a look right now at it. So uh, Matt uh, posted early on in the month telling us a bit about his uh, game as China. And it, for those of you who might forget, uh, we were doing a culture-specific victory on the continents map where you could pick any Civ you wanted um, against any opponents of your choice. Uh, the special caveat being that it was 2v2v2 team game. So um, it looks like Matt uh, picked China, and he was victorious on turn 359. His uh, ally, if I'm not mistaken, was Gorgo, which uh, is interesting for culture, I guess. I mean, if you're going with the Greeks, you would probably want you would more want Pericles on your side. Although, you know, having Gorgo means that you're always going to have a pretty adept military on your side at all times, right? Pretty true. So um, he, uh, he he partnered he partnered I think with a, with a good choice there and team two was France and Sumeria, team three was Russia and oh I don't know if he posted who his third team was I don't have it written down um, Russia and someone so that would be the team that I would favor from the beginning but France and Sumeria is is another kind of interesting um, tale of two te- tale of two sieves there I mean that's one very insulated culture specific sieve. And one very kind of um, domination-focused military-based civ. So that's a curious team. Uh, But it looks like Matt was successful on turn 359. He posted something in the uh, Reddit Reddit slash r slash civcast 
uh, subreddit we have every month going for this, and he also posted an image of his victory, which I think we'll probably tweet out at some point, Kyle. Is that safe to say? I uh, don't think we're going to do any tweet outs for this sort of stuff. I think it's pretty well contained over here on the Reddit. Like, I can't take people's Reddit posts and put them into those um, Twitter stories like I could there. Like, that's a Twitter exclusive sort of thing. And that's kind of something to call out is this month, and I, I'm happy with this. Um, this month, everybody posted their victory conditions or their wins on the subreddit, which worked out really well. Um, sifting through Twitter is sifting through Twitter. So that's it, it's a lot more contained on the Reddit. Uh, so I, I think I like that better overall, or at least for the long run. And uh, something cool to stream today is if you're uh, someone that has the ability to watch us live on Sundays, you can actually watch the uh, the me pull up photos and stuff of what we're talking about. So right now we're kind of looking through VT Matt's album of uh, his victory condition. So uh, Dan, to answer your question from earlier on, I think it was Russia, China on the same team. I see Gilgamesh and uh, Catherine. So really, really cool that we can pull these up and, and chat about all of this. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, the second person who submitted was our friend Yonker1541. And interestingly enough, Yonker appears to use a lot of mods on his um, because I noticed that he has a couple modded leaders in his game, actually. So he played his game as Hojo Tukamune as the Japanese. His ally was also Gorgo. Interestingly enough, I guess that's that's a good pick, I think, for an ally. So it's a smart one. So, um, and he went, yeah, and he went up against uh, three other teams. So one of the teams he went up against was Winston Churchill and Arabia, I believe, which is kind of cool. So he used the Winston Churchill mod <laughs> for England, which is one that I I don't have, but would be pretty keen on trying. I always like the modern leaders. I think we talked about Churchill before as a cool alternate leader for the English. Now, the third one, I have to try and pronounce this, so give me a second. It's a new Indian leader. Oh, I see there, yeah. Ajitasatu, Aj, 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 who I think is a golden age of India leader. So that's an ancient, ancient Indian leader from when they were um, an early civilization. Um, and Ajisatu was actually the one who was allied with Saladin and Arabia. Uh, Gilgamesh was allied with Winston Churchill, which it would be a pretty pretty cool little tag team to see. Uh, I think that that would be a bit of a disproportionate matchup. We'll call it Big Muscly Brogamesh and uh, the cigar chomping old Englishman. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, and then and then the third team he went up against because it looks like he had three opponent teams was Alexander the Great and Anna Nzinga of the Congo. So an alternative, uh, alternate, pardon me, Congo leader, which is uh, also really cool. So uh, Yonker mixing things up a little bit there. And he was victorious on turn 342 with Hojo Tukumune. So uh, congratulations to him. He also posted a long um, kind of storyline on here, which I sifted through and which is really neat. Oh, yeah. um, but of, of the three who posted... Uh, the victory for the Civcast challenge goes to uh, Pendant, and Pendant is new. I don't believe we've gotten anything from Pendant before, have we? No, I don't think so. I think that's the first time I've seen it or seen Pendant post. Um, I don't know if there's yeah. anything on Twitter. It's not kind of hard to you know correlate people's names if they're not always the same. Yeah, I, I don't see anything else on there from Twitter from anyone named Pendant. But regardless, Pendant posted a really cool post on the subreddit, um, and I encourage you to go look at it. He, just, he or she decided to be uh, Cyrus the Great on a second go-round. Um, he says he has a, quote, aborted Alexander run that ended with him hopelessly outgunned by wave after wave of city and helicopter armies. And I think we've all been there before. 
Um, but the one where he was victorious, he went with uh, Cyrus the Great in Persia. And and I love this. This is my favorite part of it. His ally, because, you know, you got, of course, his ally would be the killer of Cyrus herself, Tamiris, <laughs> and the Scythians. Um, and he talks about how, after our initial awkwardness wore off, we soon developed quite a synergy of me building things and her killing everyone. Which is, I think, the best way to play with uh, Scythia as your ally. Just say, hey, look, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll be off to the side here. I'll build everything. You just you just go and destroy everything that you see. Okay? And then we'll end up winning together. And uh, it looks like Pendon ended up winning on turn 309. Um, he went up against, it looks like, the Australians, uh, the Norwegians, the Aztecs, and uh, the French would be the other one. And talking about how France and the Aztecs are a team and Australia was a team with Norway. So it's really cool because I think that I think that everyone tailored their team to be kind of an offset team. Because you look at Australia, Norway, again, that's domination and everything else. And you look at France, Aztecs, that's the best domination civ in the game and, you know, a culture-focused civ. So a really cool kind of setup there. Um, but regardless, congratulations to Pendon on finishing the challenge in um, 309 turns. It was cool to see that these games went so deep after we had so many quick challenges in the past. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I was glad to see that people seemed to really enjoy it and that it created some some fun victory conditions and created a neat little um, neat little mix for you there. So uh, next month's challenge is going to be something that kind of builds off of uh, the discussion we were having last week on uh, tier lists for different victory types. But we're going to give you all a, a week off and we're going uh, to share that with you next week. So... Thumbs up. Can you see this thumbs up? I think you can see this thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, if you're if yeah. you're watching live or or the the YouTube version, you guys are you're getting to see some Dan thumbs upping. Uh, yeah, take your week off of the Civcast challenge, and we'll be back next week with some uh, some more news, some more rules, all that fun stuff. So big thanks to all the players out there taking part in the challenge. Uh, before we go on to our main topic this week, I, I, I put this in our show notes because I thought it was pretty funny. Um, it is a link here that actually I can pull up on the screen so everyone can see. Uh, it is, so I played as a city-state in Civ Six. So, uh, as the story goes, uh, I don't, I don't know, I don't remember the person's actual Reddit name, but I saw it in the Civ Reddit, subreddit, um, but they went ahead and they were playing a game, I guess. I'm, I'm assuming they started a game of Civ Six, And they used Trainer, which, Valter, what's that? It's kind of like the, uh, is that like the world mod sort of thingy? Or what do you I think it's as? like it's something like that. It's like a cheat mechanic so you can change things. Yeah, like a world editor sort of a deal, which, I mean, hey. If yeah, you're I think so. Playing a single player game, you do you. Um, but so I guess he saw a city state that had, uh, achieved uh, another settler voucher to your uh, point off air. You think it's likely that that city state had actually captured a settler, but it got him, uh, in the mood. So he swapped and started playing as that city state, which we don't have any city state state. We don't have any city state civs in Civilization Six yet, like we had with uh, Venice and Civ Five. So I guess you know this is kind of interesting to see a little under the hood of how the city state operates. I mean, you get all the colors and everything uh, in all your menus. But Valter, what are some things you gleaned from the story? Because you mentioned some interesting topics. Well, the first thing what we discussed was like, can we actually take cities as city-states? Because when I was live streaming my version of the Civcast challenge, 
um, I had one of my my city state allies actually sieging down London till zero health, which many units around it, and never actually taken it. So I was like, oh, apparently in this game, city states will not be able to capture cities. Mm. It turns out that Kyle did have seen that before, so it's probably they can't take capital cities. So, which is interesting that you could actually, if you play your card right, you would be able to take over quite a lot of territory as well as city-states. Unfortunately, you can't be able to win the game, though, because you're still a city-state and the game is, like, not calculating for that. But that's really interesting. And the other downside you get is, um, correct me if I'm... Wait, how's... Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but in Civ Six. I believe city states grow their borders by the amount of envoys given to them. If I, I, I think is that right? Because in Civ Five, it was based on how much money you oh. threw at them. I think this game's about envoys. Maybe I'm speaking out of my butt here, but he pointed out that in this post, uh, it would show him that the city was going to grow in two turns, just like you know you get that purple tile when you're playing a standard Civ. But he noted that it would never actually take that. So it says two turns until border growth never happens. But he could buy tiles. So maybe the other thing is maybe a city state actually buys their tiles. Maybe it's um no, it couldn't purchase any tiles either. It can't. Oh, d- interesting. Okay, well I I maybe I had this backwards, but uh, still that's very very interesting to see how the mechanics of it are limited. Uh, we'll, we'll make sure to put the story in our subreddit and such so that people can find it. It's just really cool to see how he went through and, uh, what all you can do and what you can't. So I guess basically the motto here is there, the chances of something like Venice coming back into the game eventually, uh, a city state Civ, it's possible. I mean, I don't think there's anything stopping them from doing it. If you can basically take this and just add a couple other things in from other Civ mechanics, then you're set to go. Yeah, um, maybe. I mean, yeah, it, it would be really interesting because some people are indeed, like Coppercutter says, uh, doing the one city challenge, and uh, that's really interesting. That's been a thing for in Civ for super long. Like you take on you, that you have the one city challenge. You can't build any other uh, city stuff like that. And the, the big difference is, of course, that well, you can't win the game as a city-state because the game is just not built for that. And when you do the one-city challenge, you can technically win the game. So, But it, it's really interesting uh, that that they actually... that he could do this. I didn't know that you could do that with any work beyond modding, I would say. Yeah, I, I think... Uh, I also want to clarify, you're totally right. He couldn't purchase any tiles. What I was getting that confused with, he said, oddly enough, when I built a wonder as a city-state, the borders grew. So that kind of goes back to, you're right, Valter, not money, but maybe it's, I, I guess it's either envoys or score points, maybe? Because scoring a wonder would give you a lot of points. So maybe that's how they get to a certain point and then they expand. Not totally sure how that works. I must admit, I have very little knowledge of how the inner workings of city-states uh, are. It's something uh, I should research on. Yeah, Valter, study up, man. Uh, but actually, you're kind of going to lead us with another topic here this week. I'm trying to find, what am I trying to find here? I want to do this. Sorry, everybody. I'm getting used to my streaming setup. Uh, so we are going <laughs> to talk today about tech trees and the idea of beelining to specific areas within a tree, whether we think that's a good thing, a bad thing. In our past couple episodes, we chatted about how 
it seems kind of weird that some things come at different historical eras, that you can get some things early through great admirals and such. But there's also this idea that sometimes a sieve will be way far ahead, uh, whether it's tech tree or civics tree, because they rushed something. So, Vowder, do you kind of want to give us your initial thoughts on this and, and set us up for it? Yeah, so beelining has been a large part of civilization for pretty much as long as I have been playing the game. You want to move towards a certain tech a lot earlier. In Civ Five, you really wanted to try and go for the Great Library, for example, if you could, because that was such a huge boost once you got it. And if not, then at least you want to have your National College up, because that science boost, even at higher levels, would propel you forward massively. In Civ Six, though, things changed a little bit because there were a lot less prerequisites compared to what you had before. So, for example, uh, in the beginning of the game, archery didn't lead to anything. So you did never had to research archery, and you were still absolutely fine. And the same goes for the infamous uh, tech... Uh, what is it? Military tactics, I uh -huh. believe. Yeah, military tactics which gives the special unit for Norway and Japan, but doesn't lead anywhere, which makes it a lot less useful for most people to actually research it because you don't get much further into the, the tech tree through it. And the bonuses are yeah, not that great either. <laughs> so, uh, for and especially, they, they reworked a little bit in the patches. They have been recognizing that this is a thing because before you could rush towards... Um, what was it? Chemistry also really quickly going through uh, uh, industrialization and then go to chemistry, which gave you access to research labs while you were still using swordsmen or, or not even swordsmen. So they have changed it in such a way that there are so few prerequisites for so many texts, you can completely negate the bottom side or the top side and just choose where you want to go. And I don't like that. Mm. I mean, I understand that it is a choice, but the fact that you can just not know what a wheel is, but at the same time have industrialization, uh, it's not exactly the way it should work in my opinion. Yeah, you do have a you bring up a very good point there that we're kind of fighting with this idea of realism here where uh you know certain things in the game get tweaked for strategic reasons but then you know you're also completely blowing the realism out of the game like I said I mean this is this is totally a throwback to before but I mean people are having ironclads in some of my games before they can do anything. Dan, have you run into this? Castles after flight. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. happened to me in one of my games. I, I beelined hard um, in the top side of the tree, and I got flight because I love air units, and I love, I mean, even though they're, granted, they're not great in Civ Six, I love air units in the game in general. And then I realized after I beelined in that direction, I was looking down the tree, and I'm like, I haven't researched castles. So ostensibly, I have to be building these, these brick-and-mortar stone castles after airplanes. It's, it's nonsense. Uh, that actually happened to me the other day, too. I, I started a game of uh, one of those six 
six arm snowflake maps and got to a point, I can't remember what tech I was getting, but I was so far down the line and then realized I was missing something so stupid from way earlier on. I was like, really? I have to now waste points. And it was at that, it was one of those intersections where everyone's tech was very important. Like had I gotten that tech up now, I could have fielded an army to take a city right then and there. But I was like, oh, I'm losing 11 turns to studying I don't know, uh, horseback riding when I've got uh, machine guns or something like that. Like silly stuff like that happens. And it's it's an immersion breaker in a way. Absolutely. And I was looking at the tech tree when we were talking about this earlier in the show. I was looking at the tree because there's one thing that I was checking, which is I always feel like the one area of the tech tree that is just completely isolated from everything else is the area that has to do with the water and sailing and everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and when you look at it, and either of you guys could corroborate this, I've just been, while we've been talking, I was looking at it, and you could absolutely just focus on the, the sailing techs without them affecting anything else until you get all the way up to industrialization and you need square rigging in order to get industrialization, which means that if you are on a map where you do not need to worry about sailing at all or whatever, you don't need to worry about the water, um, and you come up and you're like, oh, industrialization, I can't get industrialization yet. Why? I need square rigging. Oh crap, I don't even have sailing. And then you have to go back and you have to like re-research that entire tech set, which I think is four or five um, water-based techs, which is crazy. So that is the that is the dark side of bee lining. I guess, if you will, that you could get to industrialization, which is when we're pretty late on in the game and there's probably some really serious stuff happening. And, you know, you want to be able to get up your your rigs and you want you you could get the coal resource, I believe it is when you get industrialization and you want your plants and everything like that. And you won't be able to get them because you have to go back and research like the very basic fundamentals of putting wood on water. So it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy in that sense. You know what I just learned is there's not a very good picture of a tech tree floating around on the internet. Not an updated one, at least. There's a ton of them from uh, early September when the game was getting its initial hype. But I don't see... I'm having a hard time finding one on Google that's, like, up to date with the new thing. So... I have one. I'll share it with you on Discord. Oh, that'd be great. Okay, then we can uh, show it to people because all I found was this, uh, like... uh, On uh, Civ6Gamepedia.com. Gamepedia. But you got to look at our friends at Civ Wiki, my friend. They have an updated one. <laughs> do they now? They do. Why did that not come up? Google, come on, buddy. You need to get it, get into this. Uh, let's see. Copper Cutters. How do you suggest balancing beelining for techs with working for the critical Eureka boosts? I feel uh, like I just chase Eureka boosts. Uh, let me just say, yeah, Copper Cutters, I'm with you there. I... I guess I go into it like with a strategy in mind of if that's easy enough to do, if I can, if I know I'm going to get that Eureka probably in the next, I don't know, 10 turns or so, then I work on something that I personally am not going to get. Like I know uh, when talking the civics tree, there is the option for, uh, what is it? Like, uh, see, I don't have a civics tree pulled up, but one of them is you need to build a specialty district or something else. And I start working on the one I know I'm not going to get a Eureka for. Guys, how do you handle Copper Cutter's question there? How do you suggest beeline balancing for techs while working for critical Eureka boosts? So, I mean, I understand the Eureka boost that makes you kind of like, oh, I have a boost for this. I, I want to research this now because it's shorter. 
but uh, I think the way to counter that is pretty much counter your thinking. I don't chase Eureka boosts. I, I chase them as in, I'm going to research these decks. I know where my path is going to be, especially if I'm doing a science victory, then it's very, very easy. And the downside of, of that is that at the end, after I've uh, done the moon landing, I have to do 20 turns of one turn text like masonry and bronze working. But I chase the 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 eureka as in, okay, I'm going to go do these decks in the future. I will have to make sure that I fulfill whatever problem you need to do to to get them. And yeah, I, I don't know, man. It, it's just I don't like that you need to leave so much of the tech tree open. Um, but I'm afraid if they take that away, and they have done take uh, taken that away, like what Dan said before, with that you need the whole ship line for industrialization. That's a patch fix, actually, because otherwise people will just never research square rigging. Because who cares about ships, right? If you're playing on a lab map, you don't really need ships. <laughs> That's so true. to force you to 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 actually research those texts, they did industrialization there. And the same with archery. Like people were like, "Yeah, I could just skip archery and and go for crossbowmen later on." They they force you to put archery as a prerequisite for horseback riding. Otherwise, people just skip it. And I mean that 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 certainly helped a lot. This, but I'm not sure if it will actually work for the rest of the tech tree to keep that doing those like added like keep knitting it together because the AI runs away with it then so easily. It's difficult, but I don't like how it is now. Yeah, as you said, does that actually make sense? Do we need to know archery to get to horseback riding? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just making a joke here about the, the actual thought process in it. But I, I understand what you're saying. Um, you know, sometimes it's a real bummer, like you're, you're pointing at uh, square rigging as something to industrialization on a, you're right, on a land map or a land-based map. That's not great to go square rigging, especially because square rigging is typically like an expensive uh, – that takes a lot of science to learn square rigging, it seems. Like that's never a quick one for me to research. So – and also, I mean, it's asking you to kill something. The boosts something. are also quite difficult usually to yeah. get. Like cartography, you need to have two harbors. Well, you need to get two harbors for that. Uh, that's not great. Square rigging so, is asking you to kill someone with a musketman when a musketman's just the tier before it. Like it's like one tech thing before, just down a different side of the tree. So I, I guess maybe that's one of their ways that's kind of trying to get you to go there. If you're on a land map, maybe they're hoping that you go towards gunpowder, go out and kill something, and then go get square rigging. But I personally try to beeline uh, industrialization before. You know, I really worry about musket men quite often. Maybe that's yeah, bad tactics. If I play on deity and I play for a science victory, then my, one of the first things where I want to be aligned to is rocketry because that unlocks the spaceport, which is super duper important. If I wanted to get the spaceport, I don't need, I don't need even need mining. Technically, I could skip mining and masonry and bronze working, the wheel and iron working. So. That's just weird to me. It is a very strange thing. Dan, what's one of the strangest, uh, I know we've kind of all shared a little bit, but like what, what on this tree here do you think you'd want to see a big change to? Which is, which is one that really handicaps you quite often? 
Well, I didn't actually know that um, the square rigging into industrialization thing is a patch fix. And if it is, then that's a fantastic patch fix. Um, I, I, I'm trying to think if there are any like dead ends. And I was doing a bit of research on it here. And I am usually I play on maps like the continents maps or fractal, which are maps that involve um, the water. So to me, it's great to see that they actually make my researching, my, my emphasis and my focus of um, the water-based text, that they make that a useful and important thing now with its necessity before industrialization. Um, you know, I'm not really sure. I think that because I'm someone who tends to focus on science victories, Valter brought up the rocketry thing there. I didn't actually know. I think it's just because I think there comes a point for me where if I'm far enough along, I almost feel guilty. Like if I'm sitting at, a, if, if I can research astronomy or something like that, or uh, what's another example? Um, siege tactics, I think is one. You research siege tactics without having researched sailing or mining. I almost feel guilty and I just go do it just to do it. I know that's a really bad kind of um, gaming tactic, but I, I, I just feel like that is a bit of, a bit anachronistic. And so I'll just go back and do it just for the hell of it, just to have it. Um, you know, but I, I'm pretty are pretty balanced, probably to a fault to that end. So I don't tend to run into any of these instances other than that one instance where I realized that I had researched flight before I had researched castles, which I had a good laugh about. But, you know, so I had planes flying about as castles were being built. But like, other than that, I mean, I focus, I think I probably focus a little bit too much on being balanced and that might be a fault of mine. You guys were talking about the Eurekas and I'm also a sucker for Eurekas. Like if I get a Eureka that I you know, wasn't even planning on getting, like, um, gosh, I can't think of any off the top of my head, like the Musketman one. Mm -hmm. Kill a unit with the Musketman to get to get square rigging. Um, and it tells me I get that Eureka and say I haven't, I've only researched two techs into the sailing line. I will be like, oh, I got a Eureka two or three techs away. Okay, well, I'm going to go beeline to that now. And I know that's dumb. I know that's dumb. But like the Eurekas are like, this low-hanging fruit that they just dangle there and you just you're just always reaching for it and they get me with them every time. I guess what's up? I guess I'm a sucker for the marketing campaign of Eureka. So be a good one. <laughs> right, but it is it is a it is a video game tactic. It's kind of uh, uh, someone that studies the psychology of it better than I would know more of the proper words, but like uh I mean, that's kind of that level up idea. Like if you were playing a game like World of Warcraft, I always go back to, I mean, you're, that's a leveling up based game. So many of them are, uh, you know, all the Elder Scrolls, all the things like that. You, you're working and then you get a ding and then you get some reward for it. And it like is a, is a dopamine hit or whatever. And, and uh, I, I guess that's kind of the same thing in here where you're like, oh, this is very exciting. I just got whatever. And it's kind of a little fulfilling and it changes your direction in the tree sometimes. I mean, that's kind of, I guess, to boil this down. I mean, Copper Cutters asked a clarification question uh, in the uh, the Twitch chat, asking if you know to clarify that we're saying focus, know your victory type ahead of time, and then kind of beeline that way. And it's true. I mean, that's kind of what helps guide where you're going to go. But also, I find that you know if you get a Eureka that you did not expect to get, it uh, it can make you go in a little bit of a different direction. It can kind of change your short term gameplay. And then, Dan, you also got me thinking, one thing that I really like about the civics tree, you're saying you're, you're going back of the tech tree to, like, grab something that you don't necessarily need. But in the civics tree, I like that you get envoys for that. Like, that's a little perk to do it. Sometimes I'll go, you know me, I don't play religious games, but sometimes I'll go get those civics if I know I'm going to get an envoy for it. Because some of those civics are just really out there in the leaf, the leaf 
lifts, whatever they call those, and uh, you don't need them. They're not really going to help you. The cards they give you might not help your strategy at all, but to get an envoy out of it might put you ahead at getting a suzerain status over a certain city-state that really could help you. By the way, I ran into Carthage today, or yesterday, could not get them on my side, thanks to John Curtin, I think. Hanging my head in shame, everybody. But I think that's don't hang your head in shame about that. That's okay. Um, but I think that the same thing. I think the same thing happens um, with civics for me too, and that's a that's a bad idea. Like you don't want to be focusing specifically. I think this other uh, civics tree, which to me sometimes is even more influential. You want don't want to be focused on the civics tree to the extent that. You know, anytime you get a Eureka, it is changing the fundamental way that you're gonna that your government and your civ is gonna function. So I guess what I'm saying is I need to not be such a ADD child, maybe, for Eurekas. I think my min maxing is just screaming out loud right now, like you're doing it wrong. I know, I know it is. My bad. I mean, uh, the way I look at it is like, is this going to benefit me now? No. Maybe in the near future? No. In the some later future? No. Then why would I waste resources on this <laughs> while I can start researching something that actually will help me? And to that effect, actually, I have a lot less problems with that in the civic tree somehow. I think the civic tree is way, way better designed, especially in the beginning. In the beginning, things are hanging really well together. Later on, that turns a little bit less and less and less. But that by then, the game has been focused enough that I'm a, I'm okay with you making some choices. Do you want to go for some cultural things? Like, do you want to find the, the ship uh, antiquity sites? Or do you want to focus on a better government? Or do you want need to go to the space race or something like that? So I think the civic tree works way better than that than the technology tree does somehow. Maybe different design teams. I have to say, it is the low-hanging fruit uh, text that really, like, take me off of the track, though. Like, Valtteri, you're making a great point that it does make sense to aim for something bigger down the line. But when I see that this tech that I will occasionally use uh, or is going to help me in a minor way is going to only take five turns instead of maybe the next one that might take 30. I'm like, well, I'll just go get that for five. But you, you're you probably right. I should take this back to my game today and focus on the longer game instead of going for something shorter, I think is, is going to be my takeaway from that. Yeah, I, th I would definitely do that. Um, I mean, what good does it do to research a tech that's not going to do anything for you? But it will eventually, Valter. It's going to help me someday when I have the rare opportunity to actually use whatever I just got from it. Will it, though? No. Will it, though? No. Exactly. Probably not. Let's be exactly. honest. Uh, <laughs> I'm just having such bad luck. I was trying to pull up a civics tree version of this, and I failed to find that. Even on the Civilization Wiki, uh, Dan, take that. Then it probably doesn't exist. Come on. I'm willing to go. Actually, I don't know how you do that. That sounds really painful. You'd have to go in and, like, screenshot all of the things and then do that. Um, so let's see, Valter, do you have more to add on that? Or do you want to share one of your other tips that you had lined up for us as like a main discussion? Uh, I think, I think I, I've said enough for now for the technology tree. I mean, I could go on about this for a couple of hours if you, if you would like to go into like the nitty picky pieces of 
where the problems mainly lie and where not. But I think we should we should spare our listeners that a little bit and uh, give them a little bit of a break about that. Okay, that sounds fair. Now, here's one I do want to pick your brain about. We're, we're at 35 minutes here, so uh, probably like five or ten more minutes on this, and then we can kind of move into your individual things for today. But you were talking to me uh, before we got on air about aqueducts and baths and how you approach these. And I wanted to ask you because – I was the the snowflake game I was playing. Um, it there are some things where I'm settling cities and places that I could do an aqueduct because my cities are a little bit low on housing, and by a little bit low I mean like we're out of room. So <laughs> yeah, that. Uh, but it would mean sacrificing hills, which I find very useful for production. So I was wondering if you know you have uh, ideas or evidence that might convince me why I should worry about aqueducts where I haven't built one since. October of 2016. Yeah, and there's a pretty good reason for it. So the, the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because my strategy tip later on is going to be about Rome, and, and they have the Bath as their special district. Um, in general, I hate aqueducts. I hate them a lot, like a whole lot, because they, they give you usually, well, one or two extra housing, and uh, if you settle a city somewhere that doesn't have housing, then it's probably the coast. So it's also only going to be three. And it's in a stage of the game where you really need your production. And spending that, that production cost on the aqueduct, that's a whole lot. So, yeah, I, I generally hate the aqueduct. And that's not a good thing because... The Romans were famous for building aqueducts, not only because they were awesome, but also because they were really useful. And in here, I feel like this is not really useful, even to the Romans, which I will talk about a little bit more later. But, man, I wish the aqueduct was good. Do and you think so? I, 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 would, I would add, like, a little bit of a food boost to it as well, just to counter that. And I know there are mods for that, there is a mod that allows you to actually build buildings in the aqueduct as in any other district, and that will increase some food, which makes it overpowered again. You go overboard on it again, but I don't like the aqueducts. Dan, what, what were you going say? to say, Dan? Two things. One, do you think that the Roman unique district, which is the bath, is significantly better? I mean, statistic-wise, it is better than the aqueducts, but do you think it's better to the point where it's functionally useful? And number two, didn't aqueducts in Civ Five give food? Aqueducts did give food. I believe they gave a reduction, yeah. like a ten percent reduction on the amount of food you need for an extra citizens, which is right, effectively yeah. giving a food boost. Yeah, that's a good. Point. Which was great. I love it. Make them uh, aqueducts grow your city ten percent faster, like the Hanging Gardens or something like that does. Done. Good district. The reason why the bath all of a sudden becomes more interesting is because like every uh, specialized district for, for a nation, the production cost is half. That means it's uh, so much easier to produce and that makes the bonuses a bit better. Besides the normal bonus, you will also get to housing. It's a pretty okay district. That's a district I could build and also would make me incentivize to actually build in places where I normally wouldn't build a city just so I could put a bath there cheaply. So the baths are, are okay-ish, but still 
I wouldn't build them in every city. Only if I, I, I if I was like, I'm gonna run out of housing really quickly here because you can get housing in so many other ways. Every farm is a half point of housing. Every pasture is a half point of housing. Every fishing boat is a half point of housing. And usually I prefer those above the district itself because you get more out of it than just the half point of housing. That does make sense. I mean, it, so it's uh, overall, it's, it's they're very underwhelming. So I'm, I'm glad I'm not crazy to not want to build these because, I mean, just the other day I was, I was, you know, hovering my mouse over it trying to justify like, is this worth doing? But the housing just, it's not good enough for me. And I, you know, I would have lost uh, three things of production, plopping one down. And that actually would have went a step further and taken away an adjacency bonus for uh, an industrial zone. So at the end of it, I just decided not to. And it sounds like you're you're reconfirming or reaffirming that I made the right decision. Leave them alone. Also because they take a prime real estate, uh, they need to be next to your city center and that's that's usually the busiest place of your city, not only with tile improvements, but with other districts and and wonders and those kinds of things. So they're taking up really important real estate that you would rather use for things that actually help you better, even though they they kind of do look beautiful. They do look beautiful. I'm looking at a picture of a bath right here. Um, it's it's up on screen for people. But, uh, I mean, it, the game, it just reminds me when you see these zoomed-in shots how gorgeous Civ Six is. And they, they do look really pretty. I was very excited yeah. for them uh, leading up to the game's release. But, you know, they're just so far underwhelming. But now these, uh, the mods you mentioned, sound kind of interesting. I didn't find one right away when I searched it. I'm sure I could if I went a step further. <laughs> but... Uh, that the problem is it makes it playing. too overpowered. Um, if that makes you want to build it in every city, uh, and and it's a if you can't build it in a city, that city is all of a sudden super bad uh, because it goes like insane, like a plus two or three food for certain tiles, which is a whole lot. Yeah, that sounds like it. So basically, the balancing's a bit off for that. Well, maybe maybe Fraxis will. Uh, I I could see that being changed. Not necessarily. I don't know if they would do that in an upcoming patch. I mean, if they thought it was, it's been a long time that they've had the option to actually change that. And so far, we haven't seen any edits with it. So I'm wondering if that's something that waits more towards the next expansion that they decide to relook at them. Because really, I mean, statistically, they are just underwhelming across the board. I don't I don't really see anyone jumping to the defense of them. Uh, so maybe that's something that they tweak in a larger overhaul. But if they were just going to move a point or two here or there, I feel like we would have gotten it in one of the three major patches we've had so far. So well, they they upgraded the the harbor recently in lost patches patch as well. Good point. So there is definitely a chance that they will do something like that. That they say, okay, uh, we are rebalancing the whole game. The we have a list of things that that need to be adjusted, and if the aqueduct is not on there, hire me because I, I can do a better job than you guys apparently. Oh, shots fired! Take that, Fraxis. Another hire point you on that anyway. list is the immortal. You know, takes it, that unit, Dan. Problem: if they hire him, he probably can't be on the show. Uh, conflict of interest there, maybe, or insider information. Uh, hey, now you're thinking. Uh, I don't know. Those clauses usually say no podcast, so they 
you know, buy voucher, I guess. It's just down to Dan and I. We'll have to come up with all the strategy ourselves. Uh, let's see. Copper cutters. What are you throwing at us, buddy? Uh, speaking of upcoming, any guesses on when the new sieves might be here? I know it is not on your list of topics, so feel free to ignore. No, we're not going to ignore you. You're here for a reason, and we like this. So, guys, in the future... Uh, oh, Something to shout out because we are getting a little low on time is we got the URL, uh, civcastpodcast.com. So instead of doing the whole long URL like you usually do, that's actually going to throw you to the main page of the site just as a warning. I can't redirect it to a subdomain with the website as it currently stands, but uh, it's just easier to remember. So civcastpodcast.com. You can email us at civcastpodcast at gmail.com. So trying to get it all on the same page. But uh, up there at the top, there's a live link. So if you're someone that wants to watch these shows going forward, if you're listening to this in the audio version, which will continue to be syndicated forever and always to iTunes and all the other top podcatcher sort of things. Um, but if you want to watch live, there's links to it, all that fun jazz. To answer your question, though, as I tangented away... When do we think they're going to come? Valter, you uh, had some info on that uh, before we got on air regarding the info dump that was put online. Yeah, we we talked a little bit about it because two days ago they did add DLC 05 and DLC 06 and SIF GH to the uh, Steam database depots. So usually that means it's really, really soon. Because those those are usually only added in the later stages of when they get it live. I don't remember how it was be- before in the previous one, but I think it was like a week only in between. So quickly, I think that's going to be really quickly any week now. But we've been saying that for two or three weeks. So yeah. we really have. I was going to say, I wonder if we see it for this upcoming weekend. But seeing as the holiday in the U.S. tomorrow and it'll be a four day work week, I doubt we get it this week. If anything, I was going to say maybe they would have had it ready for this weekend. Since it is a longer weekend, they would have had a full week to mess with it in advance. But uh, as it stands, yeah, I mean, we're probably going to get it anywhere between now and like mid or mid to late June, I'd guess. What I remember is that there are announcements usually are on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So that could work. And then maybe Friday we can party on with the new DLC. That'd be cool. Hey, Fraxis, if you're, yeah. if you're catching us live, get on that. What are you going to say, Dan? Well, that's, well I was going to say that someone on Reddit pointed out that um, they had released all of their Civ um, updates and DLC info on the 22nd of the month, each of the last three times. So everyone was pretty jacked up on the 22nd when it was this uh, past week, but they didn't get anything. Um, I mean, we've been, we've been talking about this for the past couple of weeks. It'll, it'll be soon. But I think it would make sense for it to be a summer update because they've done it kind of seasonally. If you look at their uh, their pattern, what are we going to call this? The real the the American summer update because we already had the Australian summer update. So I almost said Northern Northern Hemisphere summer summer update. update. Yeah, let's go Northern Hemisphere summer update. I almost (laughs) said the real summer update, which would have been very egocentric of us. (laughs) Sorry, I, I caught myself though. So points for that. Uh, okay, guys, we're about at that point in the show. So, Dan, do you have a historical minute you want to share with us this week? I do. And actually, it's going to entail a little bit of um, Twittering or Redditing or whatever, because it's not actually a minute that I'm going to give. 
And it's actually much more than a minute. It's, it's going to be about 19 minutes of your time. Oh. Um, I found a fantastic video uh, online uh, this week that I don't know if you guys have seen called The History of the World, I Guess, by a YouTuber called uh, Bill Wirtz. And he is a guy who um, usually makes these like five to 15 second YouTube shorts, which is like these this really kind of archaic, basic cartoonish drawing, which is these funny little quips on different aspects of life or different um, idioms or idiosyncrasies or whatever. Um, and about a year ago, he published one that was called The History of Japan. And people loved it. It was fantastic. It was like a, like a 15 or 16 minute video that was done with his animation style and his like it is it is it's really hard to describe actually. It's it's really unique and I I really encourage you to go watch the history of Japan video. But this history of the world, I guess, video is um it, it is it is something special. It is 19 minutes of the history of the world in this cartoonish kind of format that Kyle's sharing now on the Twitch stream that keeps having these little these little pops of this little 80s style animation. And it literally goes from the before the Big Bang and like existence philosophy all the way through to now and the problems that we face now. And it seriously like hits on every part of the globe with the exception of Canada, we don't get any sort of shout out in there, which breaks my heart. I know nothing, nothing really happens here. I know nothing happens here. I get it. But it is, look, it is an awesome video. And Kyle, we're probably going to share it out on the Twitter, if not some other venues. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll make sure to get this. Um, P.S. Guys, we've been doing, uh, so far I've been on a roll and getting all of our links that the guys have gathered. We're putting them all into um, our subreddit. I'm, I'm posting the episode of the week. And then in the body of that, we've had links to all the stuff. So, so long as we do a good job of actually gathering these links, we'll continue to have them for you. Just wish us a lot of luck. Yeah. No, and you're doing a great job with it. And I love just watching this as, as it goes along. It's right now, the World War II part, and it's hilarious. But um, oh. I showed this to my students in class, which is, I mean, it's got it's got some potty language in it. Let's just be clear. But I showed this That's to my true. students in class, and honestly, in 20 minutes, you'll get you'll get everything that I paid for paid tens and tens and thousands of dollars for in six seven years of education of a history degree. You'll get it all wow. in 20 minutes. So uh, maybe not like the deep dive stuff, but all the information you need to, to ace an, an AP world history class. You hear that, is kids? In this 20 minutes. Don't go to college. Yeah. Don't study. Just watch YouTube all day. YouTube will teach you everything you need to know. They did talk a little yeah, bit about Canada, though. They said there were beefers. Uh, so have you see, <laughs> shut up. Have you seen this video out here? It sounds like you've yeah, seen I it. actually linked it two weeks ago in the Discord channel. That's where I found oh, the link. Okay. <laughs> Okay, okay. I, maybe that, no, that's not where I found it, but still, it's cool that you found it before, and it's just a great video. It has been blowing up the internet a bit, so yeah. Make sure you check that's it out, guys. Video. We'll we'll have a link for it. Um, but yeah, that that's great. I, I love it. It's given me a little bit of, um, what's it called? Like a little bit of a slight, a, a minor seizure of watching this. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so many things flashing at me at once. But I love it. It goes really quickly, but then again, <laughs> it's about the existence of the universe until the future in 20 minutes. That's uh, You can slow down the speed. Look, see, YouTube can cater to everything. Now we're going to watch it very slowly. Hey, look, right. uh, an old phone. Look at that. You're, we're learning so much. An indestructible phone. 
Oh, I love it, Dan. Thank you very much for sharing. Uh, we'll That's make sure everyone I'm watching. It's awesome. It's awesome. I it like is. it actually better in 0.25 speed. Wow. <laughs> Uh, Valter, that means I'm going to toss it to you for some strategy. You gave us a little, uh, you gave us a little fill in earlier about what you're going to talk about with Rome. Uh, so want to take it away? Yes, because we're talking about Trajan, leader of Rome, as, uh, what I would kind of do when I'm playing a Trajan game. And I want to play to, of course, my own strengths. And that is also what is part of Trajan's agenda. Settle the entire freaking globe. Literally, I, I like settling a lot of cities. And with Trajan, you just want to settle even more. If you think you have enough cities, just build another three or four extra because you get a monument in every city which boosts your culture output. Uh, every city gives you a trade post immediately. So the further you build out towards, for example, your enemies, you can also start trading with them, which makes them happy and those kinds of things. You learn more information about they're wider happy and wider not happy. Plus, every city that your caravan passes through will give you an extra gold as well. So stacking up those cities is amazing. I've seen before that people just build it in a straight line, which is pretty great. If you send from one point to the other, it passes through all the cities. That's a quick eight extra gold that you make. Good for that. And, of course, they get the bath. Now, we talked about this a little bit. And since the bath is 50% uh, cheaper to build than the aqueduct, it is actually sometimes doable. You don't want it in every city. If your city is good on, on housing, everything like that, you don't want to spend the production towards that. But um, I would recommend if you see a nice city spot that doesn't have fresh water or isn't on the coast, well... A bath over there might actually fix all your problems. All of a sudden, it's got a lot better. And that plus one amenity makes that city pays for itself pretty much for a very long time uh, as well, uh, amenity-wise. And then lastly, you have the Legion. Now, the Legion, I love it. It's stronger than the Swordsman. But beyond that, what is really cool about it is that it can repair... Uh, pillaged or, or broken down, yeah, pillaged uh, infrastructure. So if you are assaulting a city with your legions and to gain some health, you pillage some farms along the way. Now that you've conquered that village, you can use your legions again to actually repair those farms they pillaged a little bit before so that you now have a fully working city again, and your legions can just go keep moving on to the next target. They are stronger than the swordsman, so that makes them a really good unit that stays uh, actually valid for quite a long time. So if you want to do a really nice and conquering spree, go get that legion and get uh, the pantheon that actually makes your melee units 25% cheaper. And with that, that's going to be, you can be pumping out legions like there's no tomorrow. And it's very difficult to defend against because they are really good at just slashing through an enemy empire. So Trajan, I would say go for a domination run with him. You're going to be, you're going to be happy you did. Yeah, yeah. I have to say Trajan's yeah. awesome. That's a good one. Yeah, you know what? Actually, this makes me want to do. That makes me think that next week, if we don't have the updates, we should do like a unique unit tier list of our own. Ooh, oh, yeah, we should. 
That would be very cool. I'm down for that. That Let's actually is really call. cool. Good one, Dan. I like. See, it. I'm good. I'm good for something. <laughs> That's why we, we keep, keep you, you on for a reason. There you go. See, look, now Valter completes my sentences for me. This is great. This is great. My <laughs> my media empire is off to a fantastic start. You guys just run with it. Now I'm gonna go sleep. <laughs> uh, but that actually kind of brings us to the end of this episode, and pretty much perfect timing too. And I'd say our first live stream went off without a hitch here. Uh, thank you very much, Copper Cutters, for joining us in the Twitch chat. Just so everyone knows, we are basically streaming to all of the uh, the top three at least now top three now that mixer is in the in the running um so we're streaming to youtube What's live mixer? mixer is microsoft's mixer is microsoft's foray into the streaming universe because you know we got twitch well twitch you know grew out of like justin.tv or whatever and it became major and now amazon owns it and then we have youtube live which jumped into the game a year or two ago obviously google's foray and now microsoft's in it with mixer which is confusing because it start i just signed up for it last week while it was named beam and then they changed it to Mixer, and they didn't really make any good sort of announcement that, hey, we're changing our name. They, you just went to their website, beam.com or whatever it was, and then it was like, surprise, we're Mixer. It's like, okay, cool. But uh, basically what it means for listeners and viewers out there is that we are going to basically all the major platforms. So whatever you want to watch us on, there is an option for you. So go ahead and do that. Uh, you can find a link to that at uh, civcastpodcast.com slash live. Uh, that'll give you a link to all three of them. Uh, what else do we need to tell you? This is awesomely brought to you by our folks over at patreon.com backslash or forward slash civcast. So you can head over there. Uh, yes, as Dan's showing and, and as Valter's showing, oh, we love you all. You guys made this happen. So much love. So, so much love. Oh, that's not even a heart. I quit. Um, so basically what I give you, I gave you our live stream links. I gave you, uh, gave you our Patreon stuff. Oh, if you want to email us again, that's civcastpodcast at gmail.com. Also at the bottom of the civcast page on uh, the website, there is a nice submission form for that. So you can, uh, people tend to use that a lot. That seems to be the way that people like to send things in. But if you ever need to email us anything, an attachment or otherwise, uh, if you want to make a, if you want to start working on one of those lists, uh, who was that a couple weeks back that threw together the, uh, was it the wonder list they put together for us? Shoot. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Nah, I'm sorry. I'm drawing a blank on your name. I apologize. But we had an awesome listener send in a wonder list. So if someone wants to start on a unique unit list, that'd be awesome. We'd love to see that and talk about it. Uh, otherwise, we're going to come with our ideas next week. Uh, what else? What else? I think that's kind of it. Right? Did I miss anything, guys? I'm sporadically all over the place with all these windows today. <laughs> I think we're good. We're good? We're good? Hooray! We did it, everyone. We made it to the end of an episode. So uh, if you're if you're listening to this in podcast form and you want to check it out, it's going to be on YouTube. Uh, so just search Kyle Dempster Studios and you'll find the archive of it. Uh, until next week, guys, just one more turn. You're listening to CivCast on the Kyle Dempster Studios Network. For more shows like this, visit kyledempsterstudios.com.